So lately we've been in the middle of a series of how we personally dealt with some of the challenges that we faced overseas. Um, We've talked about loneliness, friendships, we've talked about issues and solutions for learning language together. And today we thought we would talk a little bit about finding solutions for church life overseas, because the situations that we go into are very seldom like the situations that we grew up with. Right. And when we talk about church life, you've got input from the word through sermons and teaching. You've got worship, which is music and having, okay, then there are prayer and fellowship, prayer, fellowship, things for your children, things, outreach and working together as the body. Right. So all of, it seems like here in where we live here in the States, um, uh, churches can be a one-stop all for having all those things, and they're trying to meet all those needs. And that's usually a shock for people. If they're not ready for it when they go overseas, they'll probably find a you know <laughs> a complete downgrading of all of the stuff they had back here in the states. And so that's why we mentioned our last podcast. Last podcast, you know, um, maybe you need to begin to learn how to feed yourself and um, operate on a smaller scale, maybe, you know, even a small, like mm-hmm. like even if you did a life group, small group, mm-hmm. D group, whatever you want to call them. Everything is, every situation um, in each city, each place that different people are going is going to be different. So our situation was one in which there were very few um, local believers and there actually weren't very many foreign believers either. There just weren't very many. Um, But those who were local believers, if um, all the foreign believers had gone to those fellowships to be with them, to those church meetings per se, then it would have overwhelmed the localness of of that church and it would have made it more foreign. So we were not, we were asked, to not attend the local fellowship. There was only one. And, and this is what pioneer work is like. You're going there because there aren't a lot of churches and believers. So that left us with, wow, um, okay, there is no, we ha- there is nothing to do on And we didn't Sunday. have a organizational team per se, so we didn't have... You know, like a team meeting that sometimes substitutes for that. Correct. Sometimes teams operate and they worship together on a certain day of the week and and try to make that their church. Mm-hmm. Which brings its own challenges of <laughs> yeah. working with, going to church with, and socializing all the same people. That That's another... That's a whole other challenge. And those are good questions to ask. Remember we mentioned that. You know, Are, we, are you going to be my church? So what did we do for our solution... For that. Well, I guess there was there was a gathering that we chose to go to that was a once a month meeting on for a few hours on a Saturday mm-hmm. for prayer and connecting with all the believers in town. Connecting with English speaking believers. Because at that got, time we really couldn't connect with local 
right. speaking, the we local language the speaking language. believers, right. because we didn't really speak the language much yet. And that monthly gathering meant there was a, 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 a quite a variety of styles of worship, styles of teaching. Theological persuasions. Right. Where they rotated at who would be in charge. Sometimes you may find yourself in a, an international church where you will have different people teaching, different people maybe leading in the worship, and you will find it very different. And it's not going to probably be just like what you've had. And so we, you know, you. We learned a lot of flexibility. I think someone told us one time that you can. You can endure many things that you wouldn't necessarily endorse if you were in charge. Yes. And I that really does work um, when you're living abroad with a, a wide variety of theological differences. Well, and you see the global church at And work. cultural differences. You know, if you've grown up in one style of church or you're used to mainly what you believe in your style and you've shopped around and you found the right church that you like, well, you're in for a surprise. When you get overseas, you're going to find out uh, it's a smorgasbord of different people and, and you might find yourself in an, in an international prayer meeting, an international worship service or an international church or even an international team. You may be going with an organization that has a very broad uh, theological stance, and therefore you're going to find yourself, and it's not bad. I mean, you see the global church at work, and these are all people who love the Lord. They're just coming from a different perspective. So that was definitely new. And so we immediately learned we had to start find, you know, working the problem and fixing things ourselves. Like, how what do we need? Yeah, it's it's really interesting during this all of this um, COVID. It's we're recording this in the year 2020, so you know there's all the COVID stuff that's going on and people being restricted, and especially for those who where churches are not meeting for the times during that. That actually reminded me a lot right. of our first years abroad because we didn't have any kind of church service to go to, so all of it was everything was by our own initiation, making connections with people. Small groups. We tell people we didn't get to have a full meal on Sundays, so we learned to snack and do a progressive meal throughout the week. So maybe Vicky would find a few gals to meet with and pray with and do a Bible study. Mm-hmm. And maybe I would grab a friend and do the same. Maybe we learned, you know, in those days we had little cassette tapes and, and we would listen to worship. At home. Yes, I mean, having the internet so that you can, you know, listen to really, really good teaching, uh, no matter where you are, even if it's not available to you there, is an amazing, amazing right. gift. We didn't, we didn't have, have that. that. Nope. Um, we also didn't have organized places of service. Right. I think we had to... Couldn't do large gatherings, per se. Well, and there just wasn't... You weren't working together like we as a group are going to go do this outreach thing. But you know what's interesting? It was all personal friendship uh, evangelism. And the thing that was interesting is as years went on and more and more organizations began to grow and the numbers go up, it was interesting. We They lost some of that 
um, intermingling amongst group organizations and denominations, as Vicki and I said, those early years where there was more of a variety because there were few of us and we had to stick together. Um, because when you go overseas, you value every believer that you meet often. If you are in a pioneer mission environment, um, you value every believer you meet. And I think there's a, a great value in that learning from one another and learning to, and it doesn't mean you plan a church together. It doesn't mean you translate a book together. You may not be on that same page, but there is much value. Well, as, as organizations grew, those groups got big enough to where they would just meet together. And then this group would meet together on their monthly or weekly. And so then there wasn't that sharing. They weren't being forced to come together. And so some of that was lost through time. And I think today... Well, and interestingly, I would say that some, in some cases, divisiveness grew. Right. Because at first, you know, even if I might have a difference with someone on some teaching that, that they were doing um, with their local friends, that was the person that put on a baby shower for me because they were my friend. And so friendships with people yep. across uh, a wide spectrum of beliefs prevented some of the divisiveness that happens right. among fellowships. Well, that's what we see today when we're not have, learning to have civil dialogue, civil discourse, where we can sit down and actually talk. If you don't have that, if your organization is so big and you keep amongst yourself, you're not going to have a, a healthy love and grace for your brother or sister who comes from a different way if you actually don't have a, even a friendship or a coffee with them. So it seems like we have a luxury here in this, like here in the West, to where you can grow up and hang around people that think just like you, believe just like you, and worship just like you. When I think what we're saying is not only be prepare yourself for a difference when you head overseas, but actually embrace it. It will actually be a benefit to you, is what we're trying to say. Yes. Is that Vicky found, you know, doing um, a homeschool co-op with some families who had children of a similar age, not only met the educational need, but it also created a friendship there with people that we may normally have not had a friendship with. And it would just was very healthy. Yeah. Um, it was very healthy for me. It was very healthy for them. Um, we also, you know, at different times, we also were involved in a local fellowship. And that was a wonderful time as well when we in were the, involved the later people, right, um, with, people. with the local people right. in the local language. Mm -hmm. And that was a, a really great time um, when we were able to do that as well. But that's not always the case. At different times, we gathered with local people in the local language in homes um, in more church building type settings. Sometimes we were gathering with English speakers in homes. Especially Some, when we had kids. And sometimes we were gathering at a local um, Anglican church. Um, we participated in that or an international church. We did that, I think, for a year once. 
I think we learned that I think like during, like Vicky said, during this uh, pandemic, you learn to value those smaller gatherings more. You go, you, you, you dig deeper with just that one or two person that you've met with on a Tuesday and you value that because you don't have that luxury of seeing a lot of believers or gathering as a group to have corporate worship or corporate gatherings. And so, as Vicki said, how have we been doing during this COVID? Well, we... Pro- it actually felt pretty familiar. Yeah, it felt very normal for us. And and so, if you're getting everything on Sunday, or if you're getting everything through those larger gatherings, you probably felt left out and what do I do and how do I feed myself and how do I do these things? And so... These are skills that would be very valuable for someone to learn if you're heading overseas, is you're going to learn how to take care of yourself spiritually um, and learn to, first of all, have the discipline and have the resources and take the, you know, but also take the steps to put together, I guess, a plan for how to take care of yourself and what do you need. And maybe your children need, like we started a youth group just in a home with kids that were our age. Was our it kids' age. age. Our kids' age. Like, was it a church youth group? No. And so we worked the situation and said, this is what we need at this point. We can't have that met through a local church right now. And so you just learn to be a little more entrepreneur, I guess. In I think that's it. And, and we did find um, one of the aspects of, church life that was a challenge for different people was that a lot of people are really, really great at joining into a ministry. Let's say there's an outreach to a local university and they're really great at joining into that and serving in that. But when there aren't those structures from local churches um, of ministries to join into, you have to be more entrepreneurial in the way you think about things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was something that several of our friends were not prepared for. They were used to going and saying, oh, yes, I'll plug into this at church and this ministry, ministry and this Bible study ministry mm-hmm. and this. But there weren't any of those things. And so they were a little bit at a loss of how to just do these things on on their own not create the ministries, but just go and be with people. So yeah. that may, you may also face that depending on where you go. We were in a more of a pioneering situation. Yeah. If you're going into a pioneer mission situation, I often ask when I'm meeting with people, single or married, just what are you involved with right now? And if they say I'm part of a men's Bible study, I'm part of an Awana group or a youth group, um, I'm an elder in a church. I'm involved in this program. Well, I often ask, is that what you're going to be doing? Are you going to be able to plug into a program? Well, and there are places where you can. Absolutely. There are there are both international and local churches where you can plug into their programs. But if you're going into a pioneer situation where you're there to start things, to get things going, then we often tell them, you may need to pull back from those organized institutional outreach activities and start learning how to develop and build a ministry or build a friendship, take the initiative. You know, when people say, 
I want to be, I want to be a missionary. I want to go overseas. And I say, well, what are you doing right now? Yes, organized ministries can be a stepping stone for you. But ultimately, you're going to have to learn to build and maintain and uh, go deeper in friendships so that the weekend comes, what are you going to do? Do you say, well, I did my ministry on Thursday. I've done that. No, you're probably going to need to learn to bring it into a lifestyle. You're going to have to learn to start picking up your phone and engage in inviting that person over or going to their initiate. home. Initiate. Actually, learning to yes. initiate is yes. a huge skill with building your own, you know, the finding solutions for the challenges of church life overseas. We found that we became initiators right. of lots of relationships. But that helped us before we left. We There was not an organized ministry outreach to at the time, refugees, international students, immigrants, per se. And so instead of starting that ministry um, and turning into an institution, we just started Doing learning it. to do friendships and trying to bring our friends into that, which ended up helping us because that's what we were going to be doing over there. We've actually seen people who were involved with church-based things that when they came into a pioneer situation where the, there was not something for them to plug into, they struggled. And, you know, two or three years in, they realized, I don't have that initiating entrepreneurial skill set or personality. And that's, that's fine that's okay. because there's a place for service for everyone in every type. But they need to but know. But not necessarily them. there. Right. It and might they, be in a different location. They just need to know themselves and what they're going to be doing. And so when people say, I want to reach unreached people groups, I want to go to the Middle East, I want to reach... Uh, 1040 window people. And I say, okay, well, you know, there's not a whole lot going. And when you get there, and if there is someone of a background of those countries that have come to Christ, you may not even meet them for four or five years. So you have to begin to build those friendships, especially if you're going to be doing a tent making type of job. Do you know how to live out your faith at your work, build friendships with people at work, and then Engage them outside of work and go on a hike, go for bike rides, do these kinds of things. Well, those skills are going to help you when you go into those kind of environments. Another thing that I noticed with um, initiating was that it was up to me if I wanted to form a group to study the Bible. It was, it was up to me. Yeah. You know, there's no one saying, hey, there's this Bible study. Do you want to join? It was me asking a bunch of my friends, hey, you, you guys want to do a Bible study? What should we do? And us working together to do it. An interesting thing that I found is that there were some missionaries who said, I'm too busy to do a Bible study. Yeah, right. Well, I understand that there are times when people are too busy um, for a particular Bible study, but I also know that if you're too busy doing the work of God and you're not intaking any of God, then that that can lead to other issues. Burnout. And burnout Absolutely. and some other problems down Balance. the road. Balance is the key. But all of this was self-initiated by all of us. Right. Even times of prayer. I remember one group of four or five of us that I feel like those Wednesday night times of prayer, and we did some, we did a Bible study together, but it was a lot of time of sharing in prayer. That is what got me through mm. some of the 
preteen, early teenage years um, with my kids because the boy where there's some issues going on and some struggles. And I feel like my friends, those three friends just prayed me through. You know, I'm, I've, we've met people that they've said when they moved somewhere else in the States, um, you know, they just, you talk to them a year in, oh, we've just struggled. You know, we haven't found a church. We haven't found a church. We've tried some now we're still looking. And so we're really feeling dry and, um, you know, sometimes after two or three years, they decide we're just going to move back home. And I think, wow, that is exactly what can happen on the mission field is people that are looking for a church that meets all of their needs and they keep going and they can't find it. And so what? You're spiritually dying. You're, you're, you're getting, um, you're walking away from the Lord. You're not getting warm to the Lord. You're not getting into teaching. Okay. Well, that same problem right there of looking for everything in one spot is what can happen on the field. So what we're saying is learning some of these skills and learning how to take care of yourself is vital. And that, learning to adapt, learning to initiate, yep. to adapt, to make it work, to find spiritual fellowship wherever you can, wherever you in can. bits and pieces. Oh, friendships. And I, I would meet with a brother or two to pray. I mean, I went deep. That was a... That wasn't just a, let's have a five, 10 minute prayer meeting. I can remember praying for, you know, an hour and it was just a deep, deep time that fed me that, you know, filled my tank of fellowship. Um, and also released the burden of carrying, living in a country where no one almost knew Christ. It was that the burden of seeing that every day, it was lifted by lifting it up together with a brother to the Lord. So people would ask us, so what do y'all do for church? And we would say, well, it's complicated. You know, we have to piecemeal this thing together, but here's how we took care of ourselves. And that's sort of the answer. When you say, what did you do for church? It'd be great if you said, well, there was this one church and that was where all the hub of everything we did. So that was our experience with church and we wanted to share that. Thanks for listening today. Our book, Mission Smart, 15 Critical Questions to Ask Before Launching Overseas, is available on Amazon in paperback or Kindle. Feel free to email us with your questions through our website, esionline.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast to get more episodes as they're published.